You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 377, don't ask Terence about Marks and Spencer and click and collect. Oh no, too late. The top 10 selling albums of all time. They're all very, very old. And we find out if Juliet takes an alligator to the office with her each day. It's all coming up after Band of Horses and Factory.
their splendid 2010 album, uh, Infinite Arms, which reached number seven in the US, number 21 over here in the UK. The album was Grammy nominated, and from it, the opening track, Band of Horses and Factory. I always get confused between my bands and my horses because there is, of course, the band and Pulled mm. Apart by Horses as well and also the Young Pony Club. So so I find it difficult mm. to often distinguish between between the different bands and the horses that they own. Sort of equine confusion. Yes, mm. foals as well, just to oh, add that into the mix. So, so mm. who knew that they were that they were such a, a popular sort of um, a popular kind of thing? I would like to hear a band of horses uh, cover a horse with no name. <laughs> it would be nice if they kept their, their things sort of... Um, sort of is it equine horses? Mm, it is, equine, that's yeah, yeah. yeah, they kept it equine themed. Mm. Welcome to the Fortunately Podcast. I'm Jane Garvey. <laughs> Sorry, Jules, I got confused. I got confused there. I, 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 Is that a snark at how often I plug another podcast? No, I'll have to no, get no. back into my box. I though. just got confused. I'll, I'll edit that bit out. Um, welcome to the <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the podcast from the Parish Council. It's episode three hundred and seventy-seven. I'm Terence Stackham, and she's got better dance moves than Theresa May, and she provides more glamour than any royal wedding. It's Juliet Harris. I mean, how high a bar is that? Theresa <laughs> May dancing. Uh, I'm not commenting on the on the roars and their latest mm. shenanigans, but I would say that I wish I was as sharp as Fee Glover, given your your earlier intro. <laughs> but uh, hello, everyone. Good morning for for me here, and a good day to everyone else. Uh, I suspect. I don't think either of us were were in Windsor waving at the carriage. No, although the, it is local to you, it so is. I was yeah, more so... expecting you to make a cameo yeah. appearance in the festivities. No, I swerved that one. Um, I'm I'm not much into going to shops and and Marks and Spencer. Well, you're not really into people or the outside world that much, are this, you? This if we're is true. Boil it down, yeah, very true. What's it? Was it Miss Misanthropy? <laughs> but then, but it's your, it's your own cheery, cuddly yeah, brand of yeah, yeah, that makes you the presence that you are on this podcast. <laughs> I should be the yeah, I should be the president of the British Misanthropist Association. It would indeed, but, uh, but you'd but never, we'd never meet. meet. Yeah, we'd yeah, never exactly. meet. Yeah. Um, yeah, but for all that, that Marks and Spencer's troubles and their dull range of menswear, they're, they're very good at undergarmentry and socks, and it's mm-hmm. socks that are our business here. As yeah, uh, ho- ho- hosiery. Is hosiery. Thing now, That's a it? great word, isn't it? Yeah. Know, there's a word that Makes you, you think never, of a, ever hear nowadays. A Regency fop walking Absolutely, around with knee-length yes. socks. Yes. Um, yes, earlier this week, rather than <clears throat> excuse me, scour uh, the stores and then find none in stock, I ordered a couple of new packs of socks, 100% cotton, of course. Mm, uh, uh, you are a man of taste. Oh, very always. much so. And I went for the click and collect option. And mm. I, I knew I had to go into the town centre anyway and so I thought I'd drop in and pick them up of course you give Marks and Spencers your email and phone details so they can let you know when your shopping is ready for you to collect what I didn't anticipate was the moronic and infantile nature of the emails they send um, I'm in my late middle age as we know and this was just two multi-packs of socks um, first email look what's waiting for you um, was the first one and then they followed that as a sort of patronising subject line of the email and then you, I, I got then I got a text hello Terence great news your order is ready <laughs> to collect and every line punctuated with exclamation marks and it's as if I'd won the lottery rather than being told to come and pick up uh, pick up 10 socks so Jules I, I just wanted my socks I didn't want to be patronised with it mm. I know. I am sorry for your. Mm. I say your loss, your unwanted gain in yes. in, in, the, in the case of these Very emails. Kind of um, them. 
Yeah, I I found this. Um, I found this. I, I find the problem is is that with companies and customer service, we seem to live in well, we live in times of extremes, don't we? And again, with this, it seems very much to be feast or famine. Famine. Either you get no communication at all, and about four weeks later, when you've basically <laughs> given it up yes. and dead, something arrives on your doorstep. You think, oh yeah, I vaguely remember ordering mm. that in my in my infancy, and now it's now it's turned up. There's a particularly good. Um, I know I often quote The Simpsons, but one of the early Simpsons, Bart orders a spy camera, what purports this <laughs> spy camera for the back of a comic book and it says it will take six to eight weeks and then when the um, when the, 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 the next screen comes up it says as a, a descriptory text on the bottom, six to eight weeks later and uh, and the, the, the post lady knocks on the door and Bart says, where is my spy camera? And the post lady goes, where is my spy camera? Where is my spy camera? Every day for the last six to eight weeks, where is my spy camera? Here's your stupid spy camera and Bart goes oh thanks ma'am and then the door shut so 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 yeah when it comes to waiting for things to be delivered um, yeah. there, there no one wants where is my spy camera in terms of where it, where it's going to turn up but having said that yes like you I find it very frustrating when um well the only good thing about GDPR has made my life a complete nightmare at work but the plus side is I no longer have Bowden wanting to be my oh, friend, God. literally wanting to be my yeah. friend, you know, and all, all kinds of, it's nice to have a cull of people that, you know, yes. companies that want to be your friend. Uh, twee packaging generally, innocent smoothies are terrible for this. Oh, they, um, yes. They, they, you know, that reminds me of that Eddie Izzard sketch from years and years ago where he was talking about how good it was that things would be organic and, you know, groovy fruit that's agreed to be in the jam. And <laughs> uh, and I do feel that way with innocence sometimes. Mm. Yeah, I, I think there is a line to be had between corporate co- corporations actually doing their job properly and communicating with it. Because good communication is great. I know what day it's going to turn up. I know what time it's going to turn up. I know what time I'm not going to be in so I then have to go and collect it from the post office. But, you know, that that is good. It's mm good to have good communication but you know it does cross a line when it i do find it slightly creepy actually that that mm. you know these brands are trying to be your friend although speaking of someone that just compulsively overuses exclamation marks i do have some sympathy <laughs> with the format of their, of their email but um i um it, it, it could be worse i know this is slightly tangential but have i ever told you the story of the time that my mum had a, a a run-in with a chinese man who wouldn't refund her on ebay and then because she he wouldn't refund her on ebay and I think he actually was based in China or Hong Kong mm. or someone, somewhere like that. She um, she uh, reported him to eBay, and eBay mm. took his account down, Ooh. but not before he could get my mum's contact details. Oh, so no. um, he rang her in the middle of the night, um, I think seven days in a row, and uh, much like the Bible, on the eighth day, my mum took her Acme Thunderer whistle and blew <laughs> it down the telephone line at him, and he didn't call again after that. So, so you know, when it comes to delivering goods, I'm pleased that people want to keep us in the loop you know that's really mm. nice but equally you know like you say that there is a line to be had and you know mm. i don't marks and spencers <laughs> whoever you may be i don't want to be your friend well I, I, by the way a quick line on the packaging of my socks working inwards mm. you, you're handed your click and collect package in a sealed plastic bag um uh, you've got no option with that they don't say would you like a, a bag you just get given it in a plastic yeah. sealed plastic bag inside the socks are held together with cardboard a, a kind mm. of cardboard holder and then also each is on a tiny plastic hanger black plastic that the recycling machinery at the municipal tip can't recognize so it goes into landfill and all this for 20 quid's worth of socks but um it all um reminded me of uh, well my, my mother will be 91 this month 
and mm. she doesn't really go shopping anymore. So she's quite happy to buy her clothes online. I help her by setting up any of her favourite stores on on an iPad, and she chooses what she wants. It works quite well. Sounds good to me. Yeah. Here again, though, with the juvenile emails. She bought a cardigan from one of her favourite online stores, and it's County Ladies or Country Ladies or something. Now, so Country Ladies seems more mm. more correct. And she has her own email address, 91, and when her cardigan was dispatched, this was the email she received from that company. Awesome news. Now, <laughs> now you'll be ready for the party season. Your, <laughs> Sorry. Your order number, blah, 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 is on its way. Now, first of all, the only awesome news my mother feels at 91 is when she wakes up in the morning and she's still with us. That's well, awesome. Quite. Well, yeah. that, well that, I, I genuinely think that is awesome news. Yes, yes. Um, and also the chances of her turning up in the West End at all the hippest parties with, uh, with the royals is, is quite remote. So well, yeah, exactly. I, I think that's very presumptuous. <laughs> and, and actually, in the age of everyone taking offence at everything, mm. um, you could say, actually, I'm agoraphobic. I would very much yes. like to go out to the party season, but I can't. How dare you? So I say retailers, quit with the idiotic patronising emails. Just say your order is ready for collection. Your order is in the post. That's all we need. Exactly, yes. And by the way, where is my spy camera? <laughs> <laughs> Six to eight weeks every day. Um, yeah. Coming next... The very latest list of the top-selling albums of all time. Any surprises there? Hmm. That's next after the fall. I went to the bank just to get a little money. When they told me their requirements, I started feeling funny. They said, you ain't got a house, you ain't got a plot. I ain't got a window and I ain't got a job But it takes a lot of blue back to satisfy my heart If I could get my hands on some F-Old in morning Well, I'm to the social just to get a little pension I was solely in distress, I was needing some attention They said, you don't get a car fight, don't get a dime that's why I broke your jaw, that's why I'm doing time But it takes a lot of blue backs to satisfy my heart I could get my hands on some F-Fold in morning Yeah. 
You ain't got a job, I ain't got a window, and I ain't got a plot. It takes a lot of blue backs to satisfy my heart. I could get my hands on some F.O. the morning. F.O. the morning. F.O. the morning. F.O. the morning. F.O. This song has uh, gradually wormed its way into my uh, into my DJ sets. It's from one of the the great Lost Fall albums, I think. Mm. Or it's certainly not one of the ones that gets um, that gets sort of talked up as being so great. Um, it's from the Marshall Suite, which was released, oh. I believe, in '98 or '99. Um, '99, I think it was. And um, I bought a reissue of it fairly recently. My friend Stuart does have his original vinyl copy of it. And they, they, given this was 1999, no one bought records anymore. The, the run was very <laughs> limited. And uh, he bought it from their gig at the basement of Hastings Crypt. Unfortunately, I was far too young at the time to know about these things. But, um, but he still has it. And according to record collectors, magazine it is the only full album where an original press of that will set you back three figures Gosh. it is astonishingly rare but that's a, that's a cover i didn't know it was a cover yeah. until i was djing it with it fairly recently and a chat came up to me and went oh i like it's even more than the original and i nodded along and then after rushed home to look out who'd done the original it's by tommy blake apparently it's a rockabilly mm. tune oh. but i love that that is so that could have been written for marky e. smith really it's 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 so him and i love the way it rattles along i had to i did a dj set at a birthday party on Friday night, oh, it was a chap's birthday, and we were only allowed to play songs that began with his initials, which were M, O, or F. So it was a very interesting evening, but I thought F holding money pretty much nailed itself on the second that I was told the brief, really, because that song literally begins with an F. Another one of those um, people that from time to time you have to suddenly, oh my goodness, of course he's no longer with us, you know? I just... know, I know. Although having said that again, mm. and speaking of the uh, you know awesome news, I'm quite surprised <laughs> he stayed with us for so long. Really, yes, yes, he really did live quite a life, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, very true. As we know, um, many, many more of us are generally, may- maybe we make exceptions for Royal Weddings and the World Cup final, we're turning mm. away from live television and this either true, yeah. watching catch-up TV or increasingly streaming services like Netflix and Amazon, Amazon Prime. So which cutting-edge show tops the charts in the UK for streaming? Well, it's 14 years since the last episode was made. It's Friends. I knew you were going to say that. What is it about Friends? It's the bindweed of TV. You can never get rid of it. Exactly. That's my point, because despite all the new stuff available, Orange is the New Black, The Crown, Breaking Bad, it's Ross, Rachel, Monica, Joey, Phoebe and Chandler topping the charts. Now, this conservatism is carried over into the music album charts in the sense that the R. Um, IAA has just published uh, an updated list of the best-selling albums of all time. Mm. And goodness me, Jules, any sign of uh, any of this millennium's cutting-edge new artists in there? Well, any sign of life, Mm. frankly. No, there isn't at all. I I was really astonished by this. This um, sort of top-selling 40 albums of all time, everything on it is very old mm. isn't it the dim- um, I love the fact old. as well there's a there's a uh, there's a category called Diamond there's a Diamond Awards mm. and there's a Diamante Awards I'm not quite sure what the difference <laughs> is between Diamond and Diamante the Diamante Awards are tribute acts I don't know uh, but anyway the, uh, I don't yeah, know it's very good but uh, yeah, thank you um, so, but the, uh, the Eagles topping the chart Michael Jackson two Eagles their greatest hits which I find doubly offensive because it's not even <laughs> not even a real quote unquote 
album Lakota, California's third, Billy Joel, Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, ACDC, uh, Garth Brooks, again, people whose appeal I just absolutely do not get. Hootie and the... I mean, this is, this is America, so, mm. oh, yes, so the appearance yeah. of Hootie and the Blowfish, where, you know, that that is the... That's the, you know, I say the appearance of Hootie and the Blowfish. The, the fact that it's American explains why they appear mm. there. It doesn't give any other explanation mm-hmm. as to their existence mm-hmm. or popularity. But, yeah, when you look down, weirdly... Uh, the the white album by the Beatles seems to be the biggest seller, which I found very peculiar. Me but too. Uh, but yeah, most most of these um most of these tunes, most of these uh, you know sort of artists are really old. Like you say, there's hardly anybody that's modern. Adele is the is the is the the, the sort of lone mm. appearance, uh, and even then she's rather incongruously um squished between the Beatles ninety uh, sixty two, so the Beatles Red album. And uh, the Backstreet Boys self-titled effort, which is, you know, very peculiar. Yeah, I, 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 these, these lists are just, I find them to be uh, depressing yet unfathomable, if you see what I mean. They're just, I, it, it, you know, it, it perhaps points towards the fact that physical formats, I mean, within the last two to three years, we've really noticed Spotify and streaming mm. and download and YouTube having a difference. But the decline was a very long time before that, I think. Music sales mm. were collapsing since, well, I think it was the internet that, that really did do them in. I remember going into a record shop, which is sadly no longer with us, just as they were mm. about to close. In about 2008, 2009, I think, called Criminal Records um, in Tunbridge Wells. Embarrassingly, given my profession, it took me years to get that pun. But um, I used to, they had a CD <laughs> place downstairs and they had a a, a, a record place upstairs and they used to sell only second hand stuff and it was a great shop and I remember talking to the guy that worked upstairs and I said oh I'm really sorry to hear you're closing what what you know what what's caused it and he said it's the internet he said mm. it's it's not just legal downloading he said so much downloading at that time on the internet was mm. was illegal that seems to have changed now or it feels like it's changed I think anyway. you're right I don't think people bother now because of it being on streaming why do you, would you yeah, bother absolutely you know? and in a way that was clever mm. in that it did stop mm. you know the wholesale piracy of the, of the music industry but having said that you hear these stories of how much you, artists make and Lady Gaga makes like thirty p off a song or something, yeah. and she's Lady Gaga. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's 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 not viable, and maybe it just reflects the fact that we have moved so far away from physical formats that you know in the 70s that was the only option really if you wanted to hear those 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 uh, those bands and also i think the lack of, of of different channels and ways of listening to music not just streaming but you know the idea that you could listen to it on a computer or there were lots of music television channels lots of different radio channels digital radio that sort of thing there were lo- you know there are loads of different ways that you can encounter music now walking into i mean i hear a lot of music on tv adverts or, sh- or in shops mm. frankly so there are a lot there multiple ways that you can consume um you know i, I can what be watching telly i mean this is an example of how different things are now i was watching telly the other day there was an advert there was a tune that i liked on the advert i opened Soundhound, you know like shazam mm. one of those things pointed it at the telly within 15 seconds it told me what the song was who did the song and offered me a link to click through to iTunes, which I did, and then I bought it. Mm. I didn't even have to leave my chair mm. at any point, which I'm not saying that's a good thing. But that's how it is now. And mm. as I suppose in the 70s, I mean, my parents, for example, if they wanted to get hold of an album, they'd either have to, uh, you know, they'd hear it on the radio, they'd write it down. My dad would be sent down to Woolworths and give them the piece of paper, and Woolworths, mm. Hastings Woolworths would then, you know, give my dad the Flying Pickets record or whatever it mm. was that they'd heard. And 
I have to say though, Hastings Borough Council in the seventies, which is where my parents met and where they worked together, um, there was quite a, a febrile. I say that piracy has been stopped. <laughs> there was quite a febrile sort of um, home taping market oh, that yes. went on there, and we had this huge brown leather case that I remember from my youth that was massive. That was on those huge tape holder cases. It was it was like the size of sort of A one or something. It was enormous, <laughs> and it had all of these orange and green TDK mm. tapes in it of various classic seventies and eighties albums. And I, when they used to have those home taping is killing the music industry adverts, I often used to go to bed fearing that during the middle of the night we'd have a raid and someone would find my dad's Elkie Brook tapes that Janet in accounts had done for him and then we'd be taken away. So uh, so, so that's how, you know, they had to continue by buying records or perhaps taping them for each other. Though eventually, if they did really like a record, they'd go out and buy it. But yeah, I, 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 yeah so seven, the 70s and the 80s in particular, that's my experience with them anyway. They, they, that seemed to be the time the physical format and I know that you take the mickey out mm. of me for my love of records mm. but the physical product of holding a oh, record not, not a CD necessarily mm. but a record mm. and you know a huge gatefold in the middle it was it was you know it was it felt like it was worth paying for mm. because it was an artifact and it was it was i know that sounds you know a bit no cute, no it's no it's true i agree with all and of that and i love yeah. having them in my house mm. and people always want to see them they always want to look at them when you when i'm out djing it's often quite a battle to stop people just dipping into my record mm. box i don't mean it badly but they're mm. just really you know they're just really exciting because they're not really seen them very much lots of people have anybody under the age of about 30 hasn't really seen them at all and yeah. anyone under anyone over the age of 50 but oh they're all in my loft now so you know you've got this kind of double yes. appeal really and i wonder if the age of cds started to erode that because cds mm. feel so small and kind of i know you get a, a bit of a booklet sometimes now mm. some cd issues that have been done really nicely i've got a, a vashti bunyan one which is really nice but um yeah it's it's I, I don't know what it you know maybe it's the way that we consume music that makes it it's less appealing now, isn't it? It's, there's less it connection is. with it. The fact that I can sit on my TV and then instantly get a track. I mean, I really enjoy listening to it, but it's, I don't know, it's, it's just... I fully agree with that. I, I, I do, I fully agree. The, the, the actual emotional link between ourselves and the music is completely um, evaporated by not holding that physical bro. I certainly agree on that. Um, it, for me, it's just the convenience. That's what it's all about. Everything else, I, I agree with you, is totally true. I miss holding the album sleeve, looking at the art, looking at the lyrics, you know, the, the, getting all the information about the producer and everything while you're listening to the track. It kind of bonded you almost with the, with the physical product. Yeah, and you don't get that with streaming. But for me, it's still to be able to be in the car and just click, you know, and there you've got what, whatever you want. You think it's still overrides to me that, the, the, you know, the oldie worldy notion of having to go across the room, pull a cardboard thing out, get a, carefully get some vinyl up, put it on a little machine, place the needle on, you know, and go back and sit down again. You know, it just, it's just ease of use, really. But I, I, mm. I do it. I do take what you say I wonder if all this conservatism in these TV and album charts whether it's reflection on our troubled times because yes I think there's something in that I think yeah, that's quite shrewd yeah I think in some you know these sort of circumstances people fall back on the familiar so if you're looking for Absolutely, comfort yeah. on a Friday night after a difficult week maybe you're going to drive you know driving home you maybe you want to sing along to one of these nights or Billie Jean or, or whatever and then yeah. you know when you get home perhaps it's a sort of comfort blanket to plonk down on the sofa and stop binge watching the 
234 episodes of Friends that's, on that's Netflix. That's crazy, yeah. is it? I think that's such a shrewd observation and quite a sad one as well, mm. actually, that we're living in times where everyone I know seems to want to hark back for a better time on both ends of the political spectrum as well. So I'm surrounded by either, well, loads of people, either I, I meet sort of right, you know, sort of to the right people, Brexiteers that want the country to be as great as it was during mm. the war again. They want to hark back to that time. I meet people who are very left-wing who want it to be the 70s again. And I meet people who are on the Blairite wing of the Labour Party that wish it was still 1995. So, so everyone that I meet seems to be want, wanting it to be a, a, a past time rather than a future time, which is, like you say, a really depressing indication of our, of our times. Also, another point... It's very telling that lots of these albums stem from the 70s and the 80s, if you look at mm. them. Mm. Not all of them, by any means, but the vast majority very of them. Much. Mm. Because, and I think we've said this before on the podcast, but I think this is still true, there was less to do in those days. <laughs> and, you know, the younger, you know, young people really got into music because, you know, you, I, I wasn't around at the time, but from having had conversations and having read things, mm. I get the impression that as a young person, you, you could afford to go to football, mm. um, so you could do that, but but actually mm. now, now you know, otherwise you'd just be going to the cinema or you'd, go to, or, or you'd be involved in music, and the good thing mm. about being involved in music was it, it, it wasn't like, you know, you had to tangle going to see a film that was too old for you or whatever, it was mm. something you could do at home, it was, it was a leisure activity, whereas now it seems like there are endless things that you people can do other than listen to music there seems to be you know there seems to be direct things all kinds of leisure pursuits and i was talking about phones the other day and i said god the smartphone really is and if you talk about inventions that have changed our world the smartphone really has changed our world in so many ways few of them good i have to admit and speaking as someone who was literally a smartphone addict and has bought a book to try called how to break up with your phone but i haven't read it yet because i'm too busy on my phone you know i i am i am someone that really wants to wants to move away from that but yeah you know phones and what's in the phones seem to be taking up so much of our lives now so so these hark back to a time where you know listening to music was an activity that was there because not many others were well if everyone will indulge me i'm just i was just going to relate a quick 1970s anecdote because oh, i'm always up for a 70s <laughs> anecdote does it involve a three-day week <laughs> <laughs> yeah i have mentioned that once or twice in the past no, I? Not, I, everyone always does whenever <laughs> they talk about the 70s on tv it's like right flares in a three-day week and someone reading a book by candlelight those are always things you can you can guarantee the, the memory marching of, outside a closed steelwork the overarching memory for me of the three-day week working in an office in London at the time was a policeman, an an old-fashioned Bobby, coming in um, and putting his hand on your uh, light bulbs to see if if they were warm because then he'd know whether you'd had the... the, And he'd report you if your light bulbs were warm because you'd been using electricity. The the music singles chart... um, Seems less relevant than ever these days. You know, you win X Factor, you're number one on the singles charts. Hurrah, the world is yours for the taking. Mm. And, and then you yeah, never. For, for about three weeks. Three yeah. weeks, and you never sell another record, and you're back playing, you know, Busker's Night at your local bar. So it, the thing is, it's almost impossible to manipulate the singles charts these days. Technology and streaming, as we were just talking about, has put paid to it all. But back in the mid 1970s, I was. I was inadvertently a naive tool of an attempt at chart fixing. Um, oh, so I, you, you really have lived a life, oh, haven't you? It, it, yes, it, it really, really has been a life. Back in the 1970s, um, 
when technology was, well, it was all but non-existent, I suppose. The mm. charts in the UK were compiled by adding up the sales returns from a relatively small number of shops, many mm. of them in London, the southeast. And I was a very young, innocent, very innocent junior employee of a record company. And one week I was given an envelope full of cash and a list of record uh, shops in London and told to go to each one and buy 10 copies of a particular single of a band from the pub rock era. And I was told, if I asked any questions, I was told to say they were for jukeboxes. And stupid, mm. stupidly, I believed this. <laughs> I was very, very <laughs> innocent and naive. And um, I, I returned later with about 300 singles and uh, no cash left. And it was only later when one of the kindly girls in the office chatted to me and she sort of revealed that this was a regular stunt to try and buy a record into the charts by going to the mm. chart compilation shops and buying loads loads of copies. Well, funnily enough, I checked this week and found that uh, my work was all in vain because that particular record, it didn't even make the top 75. So while I was buying blocks of 10 copies all over London, absolutely no one anywhere else in the country was obviously touching it. But I, I do remember those um, two or 300 copies being put in this like big metal cupboard and they were sort of never seen again. Um, but I think it's, it's more straightforward now, the, the, the advent of computer-based systems has uh, ru- ru- ruined all the f- a fiddling and a fixing. Oh, well, but, but how great that you were there at a moment in history. <laughs> that, is, that is hilarious. And, of course, chart fixing was more important in those days. And again, going back to our theme earlier about how there were limited ways in which to consume mm. things, in an age where Top of the Pops really did rule supreme, it really that did, was yeah. you know, enormously important. Getting your record high enough to get it onto Top of the Pops. This is in the days when records didn't, like the X Factor, enter at number one one and stay no. there for four weeks and then just drop out altogether. You know, singles had careers, you know, they, they yeah. would go in low and then gradually work their way up. It's really important to get your record in, even if you can get it as far as 55, you mm. can still then get on top of the pops, which would then massively increase its exposure and sales and, and send it on its way. And I remember reading, um, I read a, I reread a book recently called Rip It Up and Start Again by Simon Reynolds, which is history mm. of post-punk. And there's a really interesting anecdote in it, but given by Gang of Four, where, um, at home he's a tourist sold enough it sold enough that they were offered it it only got to like sort of 60 or 55 Mm. but they were offered an appearance on top of the pops and they obviously were very excited Mm. by this and there's a line in it and i think i can say it's on a family podcast but there's a line in it um that says that basically says the rubbers you hide in your top left pocket and the bbc objected to this because they said it was you know obviously alluding to condoms Mm. etc they they told gang of four that they wanted them to change it to rubbish i think Mm. and gang of four offered packets as a compromise and the bbc were still weren't happy with it and gang of four for people that aren't familiar were Mm. were, but then as their name implies were very political sort of alternatively Mm. political band that were very much keen on the person that is political and then they were thinking and they they agonized apparently and on the day of the recording they decided that they couldn't go through with it and they didn't appear on top of the pops and afterwards have said that that probably pretty much killed Mm. their career had they gone on top of the pops who knows they might have had a new order style profile but they made that decision and decided not to and it just goes to show the power that programs Mm. like that had in those days and indeed and it the importance of the singles chart and how the two were symbiotic really absolutely and uh, you know that you we've um 
looked at similar cases before. If one looks back to the sort of 1970s heyday of Jump the Pops and the viewing figures, you know, up in the sort of 15 to 20 million mark, now any music programme that got anywhere near 1 million would think they've got a hit on their hands, you know, mm, as a TV absolutely, show. Absolutely, yeah. Next, we're going to find out if Juliet takes a hamster or an alpaca <laughs> to the office with her as a support animal. Um, that's next up for this lovely track from Daniel Tashian and Mindy Smith. Were you hot and cold, not always easy to hold and you're hard to impress. It sounds funny, but you might be the best friend that I have. Cause whenever you're gone and I'm left all alone, well, the world seems worse. Though I didn't really like you at first, I was wrong about that. Wherever I go, I'm taking you with me Wherever I go, you're coming along Cause you're in my blood, capturing my soul now Yeah, you're in my heart, that's where you belong Well, you talk too much and you act so tough but I can see right through I don't really feel sorry for you You're one of the kind You got me thinking about all kinds of colors And you win some smiles Can I stay with you for a while? You won't like the sunshine So wherever I go On the first to confess you clean up all right Never thought you'd be a sight for sore eyes But everyone can be wrong And if you ever leave I would surely be sad I wouldn't know what to do I would drink an ocean for you I probably already have So wherever I go I love the way that guitar just hurtles along. It's like a, a train riding off into the distance. One of my favourite songwriters and singers, Daniel Tashian, that's from the soundtrack of the 2011 movie Our Idiot Brother, a great song. Daniel Tashian and Mindy Smith and Taking You With Me. As far as I know, 
we're not big on emotional support animals over here in the UK. I'm, I'm not talking about service dogs like guide dogs for the blind. I mean animals that people take with them to give them emotional support in stressful situations. But before we come to the story that caught our eye this week, I just wanted to check that I'm not treading on any toes here because Juliet has difficult and wearing roles sometimes. So I, I, I just wanted to check, when you're DJing in a bar, do, do you take an emotional support, say a guinea pig with you? Or is I, a, is a, as a lawyer, if you have to appear in court, do you have an armadillo or a flamingo with you for support? No, I do have I do have a, an emotional support non-animal at home. Oh. It's going to make me sound completely unhinged, but then to be honest, most of the stuff I say on this podcast True. does. So, so yeah, thank you for agreeing so readily. <laughs> um, basically, from my just after my birthday a few years ago, when I first moved into my flat here, my parents said, oh, we've been down to your flat today. We've delivered your birthday present as a surprise. So look out for it when you get in. And I got in and I shut the door and I walked through the front rooms of the kitchen and you know when you're aware that something is different and you're not quite sure you can't quite place it you had to turn around and there was a very very large um, moose's head a reindeer head on the wall it, it is a reindeer um, and the reindeer oh, not God. a real reindeer no reindeers were harmed mm. in the making of this anecdote it was it was made of raffia and has large papier-mâché um, antlers and uh, I, I thought it was a moose initially so I, I named it Marvin and then of course it, it, it turned out to be a reindeer but Marvin still sits on my wall and occasionally and this sounds mad but mm. if I'm having to deliver a presentation my practice run is delivering it to Marvin on the wall so Marvin mm. is in fact my emotional support animal at home even though he is in fact a simulated animal and doesn't doesn't actually exist but um, no I don't have we did mm. I did send this with a story about Togo I did send this to my colleague and said you know do we need to buy is this a secret Santa idea for people possibly <laughs> to buy each other emotional support animals I'm not sure there are moments where it would be nice to have somebody to chat to but you know I've got Marvin for oh, that okay. well on Tuesday a passenger was removed from a flight with Frontier Airlines going from Orlando mm. in Florida to Cleveland Ohio turned out to be the final frontier for her (laughs) because she took her emotional support animal on board with her it was a squirrel or as they say in america a squirrel um, <laughs> yes, hello to our transatlantic business. Yes. Um, the, the airline said that they had been informed that the passenger, a middle-aged lady, was bringing an emotional support animal, but she hadn't indicated that it was to be a squirrel. Now, mental health is a subject that's deep and wide and tall, and I'm, I must say I'm a little bit conflicted about all of this because smartphone shot footage shows the woman being deplaned, as they say today. Um, in, <laughs> it, it, I love that. As a, deplaned. Oh, so, yeah. so if you're thrown out um, yeah, you're being drunk, are you, are you depubbed? <laughs> yes. But you can't be debarred because being bald is being that's banned, isn't it? True. Oh, that's so confusing. She was in a wheelchair with, and she had this bulky package dangling off it. And I was a bit concerned because I assumed that was holding her squirrel, but it was like bouncing about on the on the back of her wheelchair. Anyway, fellow passengers were applauding, and I assume because they were tired of the delay, just wanted to get going. But the thing to hear, Jules, is would you want to sit next to someone on a plane, maybe eating your lunch, and um, you're sitting there having your sandwich as the person next to you petted their squirrel? 
Well, it's difficult, it isn't is. it? A, a friend of mine, and oh, it's, it's, <laughs> firstly, a friend of mine posted this story online, and one of our other friends, Ben, commented with "war on terrapin," which I thought was excellent. <laughs> very but um, yeah, very good pun that. But uh, my friend was having this very angry rant. It's unfortunately sometimes does on Facebook nowadays about this, and uh, and he claims that the that the root of his anger, because I thought it was a kind of an old namby pamby people, God hmm. help us, there's a war, which I was quite cross about. But he said that he's unhappy that animals are treated cruel and treated mm. in this way so mm. i think there is perhaps a bit of an argument for if you are going to have a support emotional support animal can you look after it properly rather than you know wrapping it up in a package and dangling it off to a wheelchair and if indeed that was what happened mm. but um I, it's it, i i want to be tolerant of, of emotional support animals just basically because i try and i really try and and have all my principles underpinned by kindness and i just think god mm. i really hope that if i was in a place where i needed that that someone would show some kindness to me. So I do try and be tolerant of this. I mean, obviously, I'd be a bit surprised if there was a squirrel hanging out next to me. But, you know, I would share my chocolate because I'm that kind of person. But it's, it's I mean, it's, it's a tricky one, this. They they did have guidelines. I mean, to be fair to, to, to the airlines here, they did actually have a policy on this. It wasn't just a case of, oh, they're really intolerant and they've thrown mm. her off. They, um, United Airlines, say that um, they currently have... Um, um, they uh, the, they they currently have a policy where they say the airline currently allows passengers to bring an emotional support animal on board as long as they are not unusual or exotic <laughs> animals, including but not limited to rodents. And the squirrel unfortunately fell under the rodent mm. category. Apparently, uh, reptiles, insects, hedgehogs, rabbits, sugar gliders. I don't even know what one of those no, is. I don't know. Um, or non-household birds. Um, to, for me, if a bird is in my house and it's in my house, but apparently now there are categories mm. of, of you know birds that are meant to be in your house or not. Um, uh, from um, from uh, the 1st of November, Frontier's rules are changing to restrict emotional support animals to either a dog or a cat, and the airline requires that 48 hours notice be given. Frontier states that if the animal is being disrupted, barking, scratching, growling, <laughs> defecating, or urinating, I mean, you know, that's how I spend my days, but anyway, it may be denied boarding. <laughs> the airline added that rodents are not allowed to fly as emotional support animals under both the original and the new policy. Apparently, there are various airlines. Southwest Airlines, which is Texas-based, Move to risk to um to uh, restrict emotional support animals to either a dog or a cat. And I'm sorry to laugh at this. It followed an incident in which an emotional support dog was removed for biting a child's face. Oh, so uh, Lord, yeah. I know. So so just goes to show that there are. I mean, people people have tried to bring things. Or I mean, there was an emotional support peacock that made the news a little while ago. So <laughs> so uh, I mean, I do I do understand. I do think it's right that, that airlines should try and accommodate people with anxiety. And we live in such an ang- anxious age. It's going to be all of us soon that have anxiety, frankly. Just reading the British newspaper headlines today on Sunday, uh, once again, the collapse of the government seems to be imminent. I just, just yeah, I, I could probably do an emotional support terrapin uh, <laughs> most of the time. But I, I think it's right that the airlines are trying... I really admire them for trying to bring in policies on this. But... I equally I can see why they're having to limit them really and I mean and it's the problem is it's getting the balance right between being kind to people and taking into account you know emotional needs and anxiety needs and um, you know we've created a world where this seems to be you know it's our fault for creating a world where this seems to be sort of the, mm. the, 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 the dumb thing to, to have anxiety but having said that it's also people not people realizing to some extent that you know planes are not normal places to have animals so i think it's not at all unreasonable if you're on if you're in an enclosed space that is traveling through the sky there's quite a lot of risk that's attached to that isn't there really so Mm. i can understand why 
why people then want to say, yes, okay, you can bring your dog. But if it is, you know, if it does wee everywhere, that's not necessarily normal or pleasant for everyone else on the plane. So as ever in life, it's balancing everybody's needs together, I think. I don't want to go down the ha-ha, how, you know, mm. how you know, you're just a moron or, or you're just weird for wanting to bring a, a, a tortoise with you on the flight. Because I just think, well, you know, if it helps you get through the day, then sure, but it can't be at the expense of everybody else. I saw a few unkind responses on social media. Um, well, I felt they were unkind. Indian Knight tweeted, "Oh, just take a Xanax." Um, but mental health isn't yes, always. I'm not, a... I'm not sure. I'm not sure what it, it's not always that simple. It's also, not, not a sure strip. What, what species is Xanax? <laughs> Very good. Um, oh, it's cut across you. <laughs> it's all right. No, it isn't always straightforward. That, and I feel sorry for the airlines who don't want to be sued for not allowing no. someone on with a support animal when they have a doctor's note saying it's vital for their well-being and yet they know other passengers are going to be mighty uncomfortable with a labrador or a siamese cat sitting next to them and as uh, you said so so graphically animals don't queue up for the bathroom like humans and that could lead to uh, difficult uh, situations um when when you're not chatting with marvin the moose this week he's a reindeer but yes carry on Exactly, but originally you thought he was a moose. support simulated yeah. reindeer, yeah. Well, or, or when you're not watching those 234 episodes of Friends on Netflix. <laughs> yes, more likely. Where might we find you this week, Julia? You can find me doing Indie One Pound oh, on Barricade Radio once again, Wednesday the 17th of October, 8 to 10pm, barricaderadio.com. There's also an Indie Alt Rock and Miscellaneous and me chatting about records, basically. You can also, possibly, I haven't decided plump for this yet, but I think I might mm. go along with my friend, um... Some friends of mine have formed a full tribute band. They're <laughs> friends that do all female tribute bands. So they're the same people behind the oh, nuns yes. and and all female tribute Duran Duran tribute Joanne Joanne. They're also some of them are in the Fallen Women, which is a, an all female tribute to the Fall. And the twist is is that their gigs take a karaoke format. So you sign up. They don't have a singer, so you sign up beforehand to what song you want oh. to do, and then they back you, and you're given some words, and you and you are Marky Smith. So I am quite. I'm never <laughs> <laughs> never seen them play and i'm quite tempted to go along and be mark for a for a song so and that's in brighton so on on saturday the 20th of october so i think there are still tickets left so it's worth coming along excellent um thanks to you for listening and thanks to executive producers rona and hilly yes i echo my thanks to all concerned and um now to play us out heartbeat increasing heartbeat What's this yeah. track that's taking us ah, out? Ah, indeed. Thank you for that subtle clue. So I'm doing this thing at the moment on Facebook. I've been embroiled in this thing on Facebook because it's, most of my stories start with this, where it's the 30-day uh, song challenge. So there's a grid and you have to pick a song for a, for a each day and it instructs you what to do on each day. So the first day I picked a, a song you like with a colour in the title. So I picked Blue Monday by New Order. Uh, for day two, I had to pick a song I like with a number in the title. So I picked 50 Foot Queenie by PJ Harvey. Mm. Um, on day three... I had to pick a song that reminds me of the summertime so I went back to this summer and I picked three lines to soundtrack the football madness that I had with my friends and uh, today, day four, I've had to pick a song that reminds me of someone I'd rather forget which is, you know, rather um, rather negging really, but why not, let's go for it so, yes, so Her I- loss Absolutely. Well, it's quite. So so it reminds me of autumn 2010. I had a very difficult time in my mm. life. Um, I was being badly bullied at work. I was really ill, really, partly as a result of that. I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia, which is a chronic condition, which I still have now, but I have learned to live with. And uh, I had a, a, a girlfriend at the time who 
I don't really want to say she was unhelpful. I don't think she was meaning to be unhelpful, but she decided in order to be helpful that we would split up, which was, you know, obviously not mm. ideal, but um, perhaps it was the right thing. I don't know. But anyway, she, um, she, I, so it came to this Sunday and I was basically, I knew that we were going to be meeting up. I was basically waiting for her to dump me and I thought she was going to come round to dump me and actually she dumped me in the middle of the street in, mm. in the end. So thank you for that love. But, um, but I, um, mm. I was watching this thing to distract myself and it was, um, it was just after the Labour leadership election in 2010, those halcyon days. And and um, and uh, I've since become friends with the writer of this, which is quite entertaining. But there was a, a drama. It was written by David Quantico, I believe, mm. called Miller Band of Brothers. That was, <laughs> I think, shown on Channel Four. That was about the um, the, the the leadership. Well, the, the the childhood and the leadership contest between David and Ed Miliband. It was a fictionalised account, and it had this as its theme tune, which made me chuckle. And of course, thinking back to that time, it it, it seemed apt for me in many ways, particularly as my ex has now since left where I live. So uh, so this is very uh, this reminds at that time and also it is it is a corker of a tune i did once nearly drive myself mad trying to rearrange this for uh, several ukuleles but uh, it still sounds as groundbreaking as it ever did uh, the brothers mile uh, ron and uh, the other one uh, whose name i can never russell, remember russell and ron that's it ron and russell and russell and ron thank you fact shepherd terence and um, this is sparks and this town ain't big enough for the both of us I'm 
You have been listening to a DACA Media Production.